0: Hello, my name is Tara Suber, and welcome to Tara Talks 2. In this episode today, we're going to jump right in. Feet first, okay? Let's just go ahead in it. Um, But first, I would like to say to you, and recommend that if you have not yet listened to Let's Start at the Beginning, that you roll back just a little, just pause, and go back and check out Let's Start at the Beginning Because a lot of things that are going to be journeyed in today's episode is based on what happened. And let's start at the beginning. Also, hey moms and dads who are listening, I'd like to advise you that if you are driving in your car and you're taking this moment, these 20 minutes to listen in on the episode, thank you. However, if you do have your children with you, this um, series is not designed for the ears of our young people. However, it is very appropriate for emotionally and mentally mature teenagers and young adults, so they're absolutely welcome to tune in, okay? Today's episode is entitled, The Shame We Bear. I came up with this title when, over the summer when I was in a brainstorming the topics that I should cover during the podcast. And when I came up with The Shame We Bear, it is absolutely referencing uh, the Christian hymn entitled, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. This hymn was originally written by a preacher, Joseph Scriven, as a poem in 1855 to comfort his mother, who was living in Ireland while he was in Canada. He originally published the poem anonymously and only received full credit in the 1880s. And there are many versions of the poem or the song, um, but one of the most popular that I can recall is the one we sung as a child, as I, as a child, um, in church. And the lyrics are as such. It's what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. The reason why I pulled from that first stanza, The Shame We Bear, is because I recalled in my early teenage years, after the impression made by my family member when they chose to molest me, there were lots of things that I was confused about. There were many things that I was completely ashamed about because it felt very inappropriate, very inappropriate. But my young mind could not unscramble. What it was that I was thinking, that I was feeling. And so as I began to grow older, it was just me, like I said, and my brother. And then we, my brother had friends, and my cousins lived across the street, and they were all boys. And I just began to look at boys in a weird way, not so much as though I wanted to be with them, but it was. In, my ch- in the mind of a child, I would say, ew, absolutely gross. I just didn't like them because of what was done to me. And that's just me speaking, thinking back to how my mind processed things when I was a child. I was like, you know, ew, boys, you know, because of what was inappropriately introduced to me. So I was surrounded by boys. I played football with my brothers and his friends. I rode three-wheelers with my brothers and his friends. I hide and seek every... It was just me and the boys. And there was nothing inappropriate going on between me and the boys. I just... I felt comfortable with them for two reasons. Because, you know, I guess in a child's mind, you know, girls... (laughs) In the little childhood saying back in the day, it was like, girls are made of sugar and spice and everything nice. That's what little girls are made of. And then it said, boys are sticks and stones and pup, was it, it's a sticks, sticks and snails or something in puppy dog tails, you know, so boys were tough and rough. And so I felt the need that I needed to be tough and rough. And I know my mommy wanted me to be just a little Percy girl, but mm -mm, I chose to be tough and rough and all that stuff because I felt like if I made myself tough, if I made myself rough, if I became one of the boys, like a tomboy, that nothing like that would ever happen to me again, that I wouldn't experience that stuff. And when I tell you I was a tomboy, listen, I went all the way in, like I go toe -to to toe with any boy, toe to no, toe, I just I became known for that. Oh, don't mess with her. She'll, you know, she'll go toe to toe with the guys, and I did I had many fights, many fights. I mean, rumble and stumble, roll around, punching. I mean, I did that. I mean, I'm not I'm not making. I'm just making a point. <laughs> I know some of you guys out there. You know, I, we went head to head, and it ended badly for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> but yo that's how it was that's just how it was I figured if I positioned myself in strength that the shame would disappear um, in my mind when people looked at me I thought they saw what had happened to me although no one had any idea but that was just me protecting myself putting on a mask shielding myself from hurt and the shame so yeah, that's what I did. I footballed. I didn't really never play basketball. We we played some football. And I'm talking tackle and knockdown with the guys, you know. I remember in my early years, I was very awkward as a kid. I was shaped awkward. Um, it just was I was just awkward, and I was okay with that because my awkwardness didn't draw any attention from anyone. Then out of nowhere here comes puberty and, you know puberty is, is was really disrespectful to me because you know I wanted to just be out there and hang with the guys and and one thing about me hanging with the guys they begin to protect me it's like yo that's my you know not my they didn't say sister back then that's my home girl you know no nah, I don't know she's off off limits you know whatever you know and I I I, got, I gained protection from being with one of the guys, but doggone it, puberty snuck up on me like a thief in the night. I'm telling you, it came out of nowhere, out of nowhere. One day I had little knots on my chest. The next day they was fluffy. The next week they was cushy. The next week they just kept growing. And I'm like, oh man. So even my shielded circle of fellas, begin to notice, yo, T, you a girl. Like, <laughs> You can't play with us no more. You a girl. So I was pushed into an element that I didn't understand, like hanging with girls and being friend friends, like for real with girls, because the guys were like, yeah, you cool, but you got boobs, you know, you got, they would say titties. I'm just saying, that's what they would say. Like oh my god, I don't know if I have to take that out. I'm gonna, I may have to edit that. But that's what they like. Yo, you got. Look at her. She got. Oh wow. So with that, then I begin to get curvy, and so puberty just came in, and then another layer of shame. Like, how do I cover this up? Because I don't want to be seen like this. I don't want to be. I want to blend in with the guys. I want to hang out as long as I could. But like I said, puberty began to shape me in ways that I didn't like. And then guys, you know, they started hitting on you and started recognizing, oh, you know, you're kind of cute, you're a girl. I would say those impressions that were forced upon me as as a an immature child, those thoughts and those feelings of, you know, what my family member did, maybe this is what I'm supposed to do. Maybe that's how I'm supposed to respond to the guys that say, hey, you're cute, or girl, come over here. You know, maybe that's how I'm supposed to respond because unfortunately for my generation, Okay, so, yeah, I can say my generation because a lot of my girlfriends that I did begin to hang out with back in the back in the day, they we all had the same thought. Like, our parents didn't really talk about sex. They just said, don't let that boy touch you or stare at that boy. Don't get fresh with that boy. Y'all know fresh. It's fresh. You get fresh with him. <laughs> so don't get fresh. But they never went into detail. They never said, you know what? Here is... The book, the birds and the bees, baby, you are a female. You have organs that are different from a male. And in the right situation, when you're mature enough, you will connect with the one that you care about and it will be beautiful. I'm telling you, if you're around my age, we never got, well, most of us never got that speech. We never did. So when you're in a very unique situation like i was badly impressed upon when i was a child confused as heck i ain't one of the boys no more because i got boobs being pushed to hang out with girls ill you know because i can relate with them i didn't want to and now my brother's friends looking at me like, hey, girl. But they knew I was off. I was still off limits. But then their friend's friends who didn't know me and didn't grow up with me was like, what up, girl? And I was like, hey. And then they responded another way. So when I was young, I lost my virginity. Very young age. Probably around 14. 14, seventh grade, going into eighth grade. Somewhere around that. I just, I guess I just lost it. I don't remember how it feels. It was a nice guy. He's cool. <laughs> you know, I remember him to this day. He's no longer with us, but, you know, he was cool. He was very, very gentle, very nice, very sweet. We really liked each other because we were friends. But I was 14, you know. What love got to do with it? Love ain't had nothing to do with it. It was his hormones and my hormones, you know, so by the time I was fifteen, when I tell when I tell you, I looked like a full grown woman, okay. So um, I met my first oldest son's father, hanging around the school. I was involved in many activities. So I was always there at the school, but hindsight in hindsight, yo, he was probably, he was much older. He was around there hanging around, probably looking for chicks. (laughs) He was looking for something to get into. I don't really, Cause he was not in school. So I don't know why he would be there after school, but, um, yeah, he was looking for something. And, um, probably maybe not even necessarily me but when I think about it and I think about my path and I think about my journey everything that was impressed upon me and everything that I chose to indulge in still confused still not even knowing really what to do with my hormones just they just peek in and spike in and I'm responding the only way I know how because of my past. So, with that being said, I believe that we are absolutely going to have to continue with a part two of the shame we bear because I like to keep the episodes, you know, in a 20 minute window because I want you to be able to take it all in and I want you to be able to listen in completeness from your house to your job. So I wanna be mindful of that. So there is absolutely gonna be a part two. Of the shame we bear, because um when I get into my after school experiences and being there, and really I was honestly y'all attempting to, you know, bond with my new friends because by this time I had been able to I met my friends, some girlfriends that I am still girlfriends with today. Freshmen in high school, you know, coming out of that awkward uh Middle school, summer, where you have fully bloomed. Tara, what happened? Girl, I just fully bloomed and didn't know what to do with none of myself because I can't play football with fellas that put me out the circle. (laughs) It was my circle of trust, my circle of comfort, my circle of safety. They had no idea, but they was like, you you girl, you a girl, girl. So I did meet the best, best group of girls. They were from the other side of town as me. They weren't from my hometown, but we were good friends. We had so much in common, and um, I was able to talk with them and relate to them in in ways that I couldn't talk to the guys. So my first group of friends who are still um, friends and acquaintances with me today, I'm so thankful for the way God designed and intentionally placed them in my life because I'm telling you, the things I dealt with in the next chapter was enough to send somebody tipping over the cliff. But because of the stability of my circle of friends and me being able to talk to them about what I was going through, it kept me together. Because I really, I didn't really have a real relationship with God at the time. So my faith wasn't that strong because I was out there being fast. <laughs> I was you know, so it's just real talk. But definitely, um, one of the things that I wanted to say to wrap things in this episode today was not so much to those who are going through or can relate to me. But for those who are in positions of authority, a lot of the shame, in my case, came from a place where I felt like I couldn't speak or couldn't confide in the adults around me. And y'all, it wasn't because my parents or anybody did anything wrong. You know, just like us, when we became parents, we on a learning curve, you know, we never had kids before, you know, we doing the best that we can. So I'm not putting the blame on anyone. But what I am saying is that it's very important that as a parent, an adult or a guardian Of impressionable children. That you are open. And you are honest. And you. And you create an environment. That is conducive for conversation. Open conversation. Shameless conversation. Let's put everything on the table. Conversation. And I'm talking about both ways. Just because you are the adult does not mean that you have to rule with an iron fist so much so you make the young adults that you're responsible for uncomfortable. Because in that sense, you make yourself unapproachable. And when you make yourself unapproachable, then I'm not going to come to you with my truth. I'm not going to confide in you because you place fear in my heart. I'm going to talk to my friends. I'm going to talk to my homies. And I'm going to get street sense. And sometimes that's not the best on someone who truly is confused, about the next steps in their life or what's going on with them. A loving guardian is the safest place for our young people to be nurtured. Someone who truly cares about their future. Someone who is invested in making sure that you become the best that you can be. That's the safest place for our young people who depend on us for guidance. So we must be intentional about our choices, our choice of words, our actions, because our young people are very impressionable. And when they get in a bind and when they get in situations that have totally spiraled out of control, Our hope is that they land safely in the arms or in the confidence of a guardian that cares about them and will not abuse them and will not mislead them. So next week, we will continue with part two of The Shame We Bear. Thank you again for listening. Until next time, be encouraged.